Would you give the Lord another hand clap of praise? Come on, now that's obligatory. Now let's give him one like we love him. Come on, don't praise him out of obligation. Somebody praise him because you love him. Come on, don't praise him because the person next to you is praising him. Praise him because you love him. Come on, has it been good to anybody out there? Has he been merciful to anybody out there? Hallelujah, you ought to put your voice with it. Come on, you ought to put your voice with it, young people. Well, clap your hands, all your people. Shout to God. Hallelujah. Feels like you're glad to be in church tonight. The distinct honor it is to stand in this pulpit and be a small part of this awesome meeting. I give honor to this youth committee and um, the executive and general councils, all the ministry that's in the house. I'd also like to give honor to the saints of God. Fivefold ministries for the perfecting of the saints and the edification of the body. If you weren't here, there'd be no need for us. I honor you tonight, all the saints of the Most High that are here. As you're getting a Bible in your hand, I'd also like to say that it is so special to have my family with me tonight. And I love them dearly, my wife, my three beautiful children. And I have extended family that's also here tonight. My mother and father are somewhere here in this house. And um, my granny and papa are also in this house. Praise God. And I give them honor. Hallelujah. So if all of you decide to sit down on me at once, granny's here and the devil's still in trouble. Anybody else got a granny like that? Anybody thankful you got granny like that? Hallelujah. I give honor to my family and I love them. And special people to me all over this house. And um, I honor you. And it is a double honor. Any opportunity I get to address young people and um, I think you know I believe in you 
And I want the Holy Ghost to help us tonight. I want him to help us. I want him to help us. Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Verse number 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that, someone shout, and that, do it again, and that, my soul, say my soul, knoweth right well. I like the way the Amplified Version says it, says it like this, and that my inner self knows right well. If you'll flip over to the New Testament, Acts chapter 3, I know you're standing, but let's quickly turn there, Acts chapter 3. Verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the ninth, at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately, someone shout immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. Immediately. I'd like to take for a text that last phrase in Psalms 139 before we pray and I let you be seated. For a title tonight, I'd like to preach to this great peak conference 2015 that my soul knoweth right well. That my soul knoweth right well. Would you lay your Bibles down? 
Throw your hands in the air and ask God right now to speak to us. I need mom and daddies to help me pray right now. I need youth workers. I need elders. I need grannies and grandpas and aunties and uncles. I, I need I need some people to help me pray. We need we need the master to walk in here tonight. We need to peel back about five or six layers. We need to submerge into some spiritual places. Come on, would you help me pray all the way up there in the top? Saturate this place, Jesus, with your spirit. We'll give you the praise and the glory. Come on, somebody, would you do that in advance? Just thank him for helping us. Thank him in advance for helping us. Thank him in advance for helping us. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Wherever she was in the palace that particular day, I'm sure at the announcement of her servant that Nathan had paid them a visit. I'm sure to say the least, it was a little unnerving to Bathsheba. This was not her first encounter with Nathan the prophet. In fact, her first introduction that we have spiritual record of was one of great potency and pungency. One that I'm sure shook her to the core. A moment, an indelible moment in her life that she would never forget. Although this visitation was quite different. I see her as she puts aside whatever was taking her attention at the moment, pulls herself together. And as she is leaving the room, the servant announces he is also asking for the boy. So she begins to call for Solomon. There are different schools of thought as to his age. I don't want to take the time to try to sort all that out tonight. Let's just agree that he was more than likely old enough to know what was going on. She finally finds him, and having watched my wife do this so many times over the years, Pulling him together, making him look presentable, wiping the food from his face, 
the mud from his clothes. She takes him nervously. She walks down the long hallway to face the prophet Nathan. Now, in the past, I have felt that what is about to happen was for the benefit of David. I have also preached, and I believe it has been helpful, that what is about to happen was for Bathsheba. But today, just as early as today, I feel that while it may have been for David and it may have been for Bathsheba, that this second visit from Solomon, quite different from the first, was very much for the boy Solomon. Nathan, as she steps into his presence and bows herself low with the boy, I see the prophet, the venerable prophet, as he takes his hands and he lays them upon the head of Solomon. And in the presence of his mother, the voice of this honorable man echoed through the rock walls of David's palace as the prophet announces, You shall no more call the boy Solomon. But you shall call him Jedediah. Jedediah. You say, what would this visit, this second visit from the prophet Nathan serve? What significance would it play in the lives, in this narrative, in the lives of these three characters? Quite a lot of emphasis has been placed upon David. Some have been placed upon Bathsheba. Tonight I would like to submit to you that if the boy was, and I believe he was, coherent enough, cognizant enough to understand what was happening at this moment. When that prophet Nathan spoke the name Jedediah over him. Jedediah, friend of God. Jedediah, beloved of God. Jedediah, friend of God. Jedediah, beloved of God. In fact, I found actually today a couple other credible references that actually, when you get into the roots of the name of Jedediah, it can actually also mean hand in hand with the Lord. Not just for the significance and the benefit of his father to soothe his conscience from the sins that he had committed with Bathsheba. I submit to you that a visitation in which the name Jedediah was spoken over this young boy, possibly seven, eight, nine, ten, but very applicable to this crowd, not just to soothe Bathsheba's conscience in what had happened between her and the king and the death of the first child, But I submit to this great meeting tonight that God was trying to establish something that day in the heart of that young man. Boy, you're going to face some things in the days to come. You are going to face the pressures of living in the shadow of who your father was 
and the things that your father represented. Young man, you are going to have to face down the wagging cruel tongues of those who will talk about the reason that you're here. Young man, you will be criticized from every possible corner possible. Young man, understand, your your ears will be filled often with the sounds of voices that remind you that you do not do things the way that your father done them. But I believe that God, with Nathan's second visitation, was trying to establish a precedent in the life of that young boy. Regardless of the past, regardless of what has happened, regardless of the mistakes of your father, regardless of the mistakes of your mother, regardless of the fact that you'll never be able to be the man that your dad was, I want you to know right out of the gate, right from the set, right from the beginning, that you're my boy, and I love you. And I care about you And you're my friend You say what you want to say But I believe that God foreseen I believe he foreseen the struggles of Solomon I believe he was trying to stop a train wreck I believe that if he was trying to prevent a young man From doing everything that Solomon would eventually do Ladies and gentlemen I believe that my assignment on this first or this second night of peak on Thursday night Is to some way by the anointing of the Holy Ghost Get it in to the heart of these kids. You're a friend of God. God loves you. God's got His hand in your hand. Hallelujah. I've come to preach to you. There are in a crowd this size with this many bodies. There are all kinds of situations and circumstances. And I wish I could tell you that they were all flowery and pretty. But there's some gory stuff in this house. There's some messy stuff in this house. There are some kids in this house whose parents have fallen and walked away. There are kids in this house who have been a part of terrible church splits and all kinds of unimaginable things. But I want you to leave on Thursday night knowing. I want you to start off on the right foot knowing. God loves you. You're His baby. You're not a mistake. You're not a mishap. You're not a misfortune. You're not washed up. You are not doomed and damned because of the mistakes of generations before. I've come to preach to this next generation. God's got His hand in your hand. God's heart. Are there any adults that believe that? Is there anybody that will rally around that right now? He loves our kids. Solomon, I'm trying to set a precedent. Now the tragedy is that we know the end of the story. I am trying to establish a precedent. You don't have to throw baited hooks 
into society to find your affirmation. You don't have to put yourself out there. We're going to get real here tonight. We got two more preachers. That's why they put me on Thursday night now. Because it gives two more, two more preachers to clean up that mess after I get finished. You don't have to put yourself out there. In fact, before I get finished tonight, I hope you don't do it while we're in church. But by the time I get finished, I hope you got your mind made up before you go to the gym tonight. That you get on your phone and you delete a bunch of that garbage that you got on your phone. Where you're looking for affirmation. You're looking for love. Hallelujah. I'm not saying this to sound super spiritual, but I was up at four o'clock this morning sitting on the edge of my bed. I didn't come in here to play games. I come in here to try to help God. I come in here to try to help somebody's mama. I'm coming here to try to help a daddy. Keep your kid from a train wreck. care where you found him. You know, I, you hear me? I don't care where you found him. And I don't care whose church he says he's from. Social media ain't no, you ain't got any business trying to find somebody for the rest of your life on social media. That's all right. That's all right. Don't help me. Granny shouting. I see her. Probably to the majority. I hope it's the minority I'm reaching for right now. But if you hear a desperation in my voice, if it seems to you like my hair's on fire and I'm standing on my head, I am. Because somebody is walking down the road to being destroyed. Because you got all these baited lines out. You're living in insecurity. You're living with an inferiority complex. You're looking for somebody to tell you you're pretty. You're looking for somebody to tell you good looking. Your daddy never had time for you. And so you're looking for a girl to tell you that you're charming come on and that you're handsome and God said that's not the way to go you need to follow what I said you're my boy you're my girl you're my friend as long Somehow, and again, give me my liberty right here. Somehow, I feel like he missed that moment. Therefore, bringing to me at least a smattering of explanation as to why that he would marry so many women, bring so many concubines into his house. Every false god, come on, his dad would roll over in his grave. It wasn't one, Brother Wilson, it wasn't two. 
It was hundreds. It was thousands. Why? Because he was looking for what God had already gave him. But he didn't comprehend it as a boy. He was looking for love. He was looking for a friend. He was looking for belovedness. He was looking for somebody's hand to hold. But he didn't get it. What are you doing? I'm trying to help somebody avoid a catastrophe. The only hand you really need to hold is Jesus Christ. The one that created you. The one that puts you together. The one's breath and who you're... All the money he spent, all the women he went through, all the time he wasted, all the stuff he bought, everything he had stacked and piled in his castles, all the chariots, all the horses, all the women, all the robes, all the gold, all the property, all the collectibles, all the jewels. And the conclusion at the end of his life was all his vanity. And vexation of spirit. In so many words, he's summing up to me. I missed it. I wish some way I would have stopped long enough, prayed long enough, thought long enough, got on my face and stayed there long enough, pushed enough plates away, listened to an elder long enough, stayed in the altar long enough that I was able to leave understanding. I don't know why, but he loves me. I don't know why, but he loves me. Everybody in my family's failed. I don't know why he cares and wants anything to do with me, but I'm glad he does. I'm glad he does. I'm thankful that he does. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Solomon, Brother Booker, had a fearfully and a wonderfully made moment. Solomon's fearfully and wonderfully made moment, Buxton, came from the mouth of Nathan. You're my boy. You don't have to feel like you have to live up to your daddy's standards. I'm not talking about holding the standards. I'm talking about, come on, I'm talking about preachers' kids that are in this place. Boys that are under the sound of my voice that won't accept their calling and embrace the call of God in their life because they're, they're, they're afraid. They're afraid. I can't do it like dad. I can't preach like dad. My style's not like dad. I want you to know as an individual, come on, we're going to separate all that tonight. He's saying, put aside Bathsheba, put aside David, put aside the lineage, put aside the mistakes, put aside the mishaps, put aside the misfortunes. Solomon, this is between me and you. Young person, tonight is between you and God. Everything else is peripheral. God wants you to know you are fearfully and wonderfully...
You're peculiar. You're powerful. Come on. I said you're peculiar. You're powerful. You're distinguished. God's, God has put a peculiar anointing. If you've got a pulse, you've got a purpose, you've got a ministry, you've got a purpose, there's a soul for you to reach. There's a revival for you to have. There's miracles. Pen statement in that verse is that last phrase that my soul knoweth right well. I submit to you that the tragedy of Solomon, the demise of Solomon and all of his potential, is because his soul never knew right well. He knew how to ask for the right things. He'd watched his daddy enough to know exactly how to build the altars and offer up the incense. He knew, he knew format. He knew, he knew ritualism. He knew the right time to clap his hands. He knew Acts 2.38. His problem wasn't, his problem wasn't in a lack of knowledge of knowing how to approach it. In fact, he knew how to approach it so well, Brother Holmes, that the Bible says that it baffled Sheba. The Bible said that his approach to the house of God was so impressive that it took the breath of Sheba away. Solomon's problem was not knowledge in scripture. Solomon's problem was not knowledge. Come on. In personal experiences. Come on. We read about his wisdom with the child and the baby and the mothers and the dividing. We, we read that. His problem was not knowledge in knowing how to ascend to the things of God. How to raise his hands. How to, how to create a, bur- a burning incense. How to build an altar. Solomon's problem was right in here. He didn't know Solomon. He never accepted and embraced the fact of whose hand it was that he held. He never embraced the fact, he never accepted the fact that he in all of his baggage, in all of his struggles. Maybe I'm stretching it, but I don't believe I am. I believe that Solomon could have survived every struggle that he had, young person. If somewhere, if somewhere he would have familiarized himself with himself and accepted the fact that yes, this is not who God wants me to be, but God loves me on my way to getting to the place of who he wants me to be. God. God will ride the river somewhere. God will ride the river a long ways with somebody.
You say, why are you preaching this? Because your little babies, your little Johnny and your little Sally sitting out here, and it'd blow your mind if you knew how many were on the verge of throwing in and the towel and, and quitting. It'd blow your mind if you knew how many kids came to this meeting, teeter-tottering on the edge. Some of them have already jumped because they don't know who they are. They know the doctrines. They know the ritualisms. They know all the semantics. They know how to go through the routines, but they don't know in their heart whose they are. You're a child of God. You're a friend of God. You are loved. Even with all of your quirks, God loves me best. God knows, God knows me best and He loves me most. And you gotta embrace that. You gotta embrace that. Cause you're gonna walk out of this place and the world's gonna blow up in your face. You gotta know He loves you. You gotta know whose hands you're holding, Jedediah. You gotta know you're the friend of God. Cause you're gonna walk out of here and face temptations. You're gonna walk out of here and fall on your face. You're gonna walk out of here and make mistakes. Come on. I'm just being real. You're gonna walk out of here and you're gonna come to some crossroads. You're gonna walk out of here. But you gotta embrace the fact. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He's my friend. He's holding my hand. I don't have to be another tragedy. I don't have to be another catastrophe. I sat on the edge of my bed at four o'clock this morning. Tears started running down my face. I closed my eyes. It wasn't the first time I'd prayed about this meeting. Four o'clock this morning. I closed my eyes. To open my eyes. In the spirit. To see a young lady. Maybe multiple young ladies in this place. And young men. Because I didn't see a face. And that's typically when God doesn't show me a face. That's because there's more than one in this mess. And I seen blood running down your arms. Scraping. Cutting yourself. It's the only way you can feel anything anymore. Nathan, I'm glad you're behind me. You can come in here tomorrow night and clean all this up, Joel. Clean all this up. But I, I got to reach somewhere. Somebody's suicidal. Somebody's suicidal. In a meeting just like this, yeah. You don't want to disappoint your parents. Suicide. It's in this house. Plan. In fact, there's kids in this building right now. I don't don't care if I ever know who you are. In fact, I hope you take care of business. And we never know who you are. But this last meeting, you've already purposed in your heart, this is it. 
You've got plans. In fact, you, you've already, you've already, even after the two services that we've already had, you've already been there. You, you have, you've still been in the throes of discussing those plans. Not because you don't know the doctrine. It's not because you don't know the ritualisms and the formalisms and the somatics. You don't know who you are. I gotta hurry. I spent more time on the front end of that than I meant to, but look at this. Brother Patrick, look at look look at all the trouble God. Look at all the trouble God's willing to go to. Look at the extremes that God's willing. Brother Parker, look how far he go, look how far he stretch himself. When he's marked somebody and he really believes in them. Moses, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let a bush burn. You've been running for 40 years. I'm gonna let a bush burn. And I'm gonna let a voice speak out of it. And I'm gonna let it be so supernatural that I'm gonna let the bush burn and it's not gonna be consumed. And all of a sudden, it, it's right where some of you are at. See, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to deal with this next generation. That's not you, that, that, that your kid, your kids, and it's not being critical of the generation before. But this next generation is not going to be content just sitting on a pew and not making a difference. Unfruitfulness is going to bother the next generation. Dissonance and inconsistency is going to bother the next generation. I don't know why it didn't bother previous generations, but I'm dealing with it in the next generation. They're not going to sit and go through the motions and not have any fruit. They're not going to have church without the miraculous. They're not going to have church without cancers falling off and blinded eyes being opened. I'm sorry, I've dealt with too much of it. They're not going to be fake. They're not going to be fake. Maybe previous generations just faked it and survived. But this generation is going to be all the way or nothing. That's why this is such an exciting place to be. But at the same time, it's touching. How many times, just like this burning bush, have you young people been touched by a visitation, Brother Martin, from your future? How many times? Gabe, how many more, how many more peak services is it going to take? things is it going to take young man how many more things has God got to do how many more people's got to speak a word over you how many more preachers have got to come through your local church that doesn't know you from a man in the moon and put their finger on your forehead and tell you the hand of God's on you how many more things have got to happen how many more things have got to happen 
But anytime, anytime that you are visited with a purpose from your future, anytime you are touched by an angel from your future, anytime, come on, that you are visited by a voice from your future, the enemy all of a sudden begins to drag up all of your dysfunctions. The other two guys took their time. I'm going to take my time. Doug, I said, he starts digging up your dysfunctions. That's what he does. I tell you what, I'm talking about all this miraculous stuff's happening. It blows my mind. I've been a part of this. I've watched other guys on this platform be a part of nothing, of stuff in your life, nothing short of the supernatural. And I'm standing there going, my God, can, you still can't believe? You still hadn't wanted a, you still hadn't won a soul? You still hadn't gone and started that church? You still hadn't, you still hadn't taken the jump and went to that missions field you're still not evangelizing you're still not helping your dad you're still not being a soul winner demonic diabolical distractions start coming against you when you are visited by voices from your destiny trying to tell you how dysfunctional you are throwing faces Huh? Say what you want to say, but he can't see the burning bush anymore. And he can't hear the voice out of the burning bush that's not being consumed anymore for hearing the screams and the cries of the Egyptian servant that he murdered. Because the enemy's not afraid to use your history to inform your insecurities of why you can't do anything in the future. Hey, no, 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 no. I'm talking to some young men. She's, she's two years behind you. You had not seen her in two years. Every time, you want, every time you go to step out and do something for God, the enemy throws that face. How many times we get you right on the precipice, right on the edge of doing damage to hell? And just like Moses, you see the blood gurgling. And it's the, 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 the vividness, the lucidness, it's, it's so clear. It may have been four years ago, but you relive it again. You start having dreams, waking up in cold sweat in the middle of the night, afraid somebody's going to rat you out. Yeah, you got skeletons. Yeah, some of us got skeletons with flesh. But God wants you to understand, I'm not through with you. I'm not finished with you. I'm going to work with you with your dysfunctions. If you won't quit me. Yeah, yeah, you're a little rash. Yeah, yeah, you had desire and your desire could have used a little more discipline. Yeah, you're a little quick triggered. Yeah, you're a little short fused. But God wants you to know. God wants your soul to know right well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're... You ain't ready for this. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying, but you, 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 you're not getting it. You ain't ready. We got to hit him again, David. Ain't ready for this. Moses never doubted the word of God. Moses never doubted the word of God. Moses never doubted God. Moses doubted Moses. 
You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I was involved in. You don't know the hang-ups I still have. You don't know the luggage I'm still dragging around. You don't know the humps I have still, I still have in God. I, I, I've got these dis... I don't want to be too candid, but I want to be plain enough that you get it and you embrace it. God's not impressed with your insecurities. I said, God's not impressed with your insecurities. I'll tell you, God's insulted by your insecurities. Because when you feel insecure and that you're inadequate and that you're insufficient, what you're saying is, is that God didn't know what He was doing when He put you on earth. God didn't know what He was doing when He saved you. God didn't know what He was doing when you called you. That's a lie. God put too much together to get you here tonight. So, so we stay in this. We stay in this. We stay in this. Oh God. Little kids, plug your ears. I'm going to say a Pentecostal curse word right here. We stay in this stupid cycle. Frustrating cycle. It's like church has become, it's had, it's like church has, it's had to become this display of power. Not that people can be healed. Not that people can get the Holy Ghost. But it's a constant display of power trying to convince you. Trying to convince you that he wants to use you. All this power. Huh? So he, he can't hang destiny on dysfunctions. So if he can't hang destiny on dysfunctions, then what happens? He spends an entire chapter. Don't lose me as you're walking. He spends an entire chapter. Leprous hands. Hands turning to leprosy. Leprosy going away. Water turning to blood. Sticks turning to snakes. Snakes turning back to sticks. Some of you, that's been your entire life. I'm 34 and green and got a lot of room to grow, but I feel like that's been most of my 16 years in ministry has been right there. God spends a big majority of his time trying to convince us. Get in. Come on. How many more times does the cloth have to be wet on one side and dry on the other? How many more times does the enemy have to have dreams and I have to... going somewhere so he puts on a whole chapter this place in fact the big majority of your life the big majority of Pentecost that I've been exposed to or it seems like is God trying to convince this movement that he wants to use it we come to these conferences and we spend all this money and what do we do we huck and buck and shout about what we're going to do And come back the next year beat down because we didn't do what we said we was going to do. And we start all over again. I mean, you can agree with that if you... You don't have to. You. And so he puts on a whole chapter of power display. 
Do I got your attention right now? And it wasn't enough because then Moses said, but, 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 slow to speak. So if he can't hang destiny with the dysfunctions of your past and the mistakes that you've made and the struggles that you've had, then a lot of destiny gets hung on our deficiencies. We're not bold enough. We're not audacious enough. We're not anointed enough. We're not zealous enough. We don't have enough faith. Hey. I'm not skinny enough. Hey, I've been both. And thank God he used me skinny and fat. And I'm back fat again. I hope he can still use me fat. Deficiencies. Deficiencies. I don't agree with their ideologies at all. But I think Oprah Winfrey would shine a little light on what we're trying to say right here. She said, I have interviewed, I have interviewed from child molesters to billionaires. She said, I have interviewed mass murderers, the Charles Mansons of the world, to the Donald Trumps, scum of the earth, to movie stars. And she said, without question, Brother King, when the camera goes off and the lights come back on, she said, without question, every one of them sits up in their seats and they ask the same question. Did I do okay? And you think that the generation, the generation in which the Lord has set the ends of the earth upon your shoulders, you think that the devil is not going to try to capitalize on your feelings of deficiencies, inferiority complexes, insecurities. I'm trying to preach something in your spirit. You're not worthless. You're not worthless. You're not a freak. You're not a weirdo from the other side of the tracks. You're a city set on a hill. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. You're not dumb. You're not dull. You're not ugly. You're a chosen generation. Beloved. Friend of God. I come to tell you who's holding your hand tonight. I don't care who's stabbing your back. It doesn't matter who's stabbing you in the back if you know who's holding your hand. It doesn't matter who's beating you in the face if you know who's holding your hand. It doesn't matter what the White House is doing if you know who's holding your hand. Ain't nobody... Ain't nobody ever going to listen to you. You ain't got jewelry. You ain't got makeup. You don't look like the world. You can't reach the world if you don't look like the world. That's a lie. You need to remind the devil who's holding your hand. Come on. Jesus.
Jesus is holding my hand. The creator of the universe is holding my hand. The Alpha and the Omega. Too many revivals been aborted. Too much supernatural been stymied and stopped. Too many churches stagnant. Too many backsliders hadn't come home. Too many miracles been passed by. Too many people in Walmart that should have been healed that no one ever prayed for. Why? Not because we doubt God. Not because we doubt the Word of God. It's because we don't know who we are. And you can't know who you are until you know whose you are. And you are... You're His with all of your quirks, with all of your issues, with all of your hang-ups, with all of your struggles. You're still His. You're still His. Oh God, there's 40 minutes. I got to hurry. And finally God gets enough. And I just feel like in my guts, God's had enough. I'm tired of coming to these meetings and talking about it. Propping you up so we can spend thousands of dollars and come back and prop you up next year. When the issue is we don't know whose we are. And because we don't know whose we are, we don't know who we are. Hey, if God can make a bush burn and not be consumed, if God can make a voice come out of a bush, God can use you with all of your dysfunctions, with all of your deficiencies, with all... The enemy said, the enemy said, the enemy said, until you reach the utopian of what God desired and purposed you to be in the beginning, until you reach that, you can't operate. Really? Brother Wilson, I'm, I'm, we're daily working towards that perfected state of what he's called us to be. But that doesn't mean that God can't use you in the process. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. Are you ready? we just been playing around this point. I'm fixing to really get in there and I'm going to put one on you. Are you ready? Finally, God got tired of Moses' insecurities. He is tired of the apostolic movement and all of her insufficiencies and insecurities and hiding over in a corner somewhere with her soul. Dear God, have mercy. Finally, he puts it in bold italics. It's in your Bible. Finally, he puts it, he puts the sock in Moses' mouth and he said, boy, I am that I am. Period. Period. You know what he was saying? Hold on. You know what he was saying? In the Hebrew, that I am, that I am is in the present tense. Come on. You know what he was saying? Moses, wake up. 
and realize who's holding your hand. I'm not going to make you go by yourself. I'm going to be everything you're not. I'm going to make up for your deficiencies. I'm going to make up for your shortcomings. I'm, I'm going to be your voice. I'm going to be your strength. I'm going to be your joy. I'm, All you perfect people, sit down. Head to the exits because you're fixing to be offended. All the easily offended people, the exits are right ahead of you. The ushers will help you out because you're fixing to get offended. Here we go. The next phrase. You ready for this? I want you to go home with this. The next phrase is the one I've been resting in. Then he says to Moses, he says, I am that I am. You got to know who's holding your hand. I'm going to be everything you're not. I'm going to make up the difference. You got to know who your teammate is. But it's the next thing that he says that blows my mind. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac. Wait a minute. Who? No, wait a minute. A wrestling match already happened. Oh, no, 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 no. God. Let my voice hold up to get through this tonight. Let me get this in these kids. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. Wait a minute. No, no. The wrestling match. J-Box. J-Box already passed. He's already had his name changed. What? God? God? Why? Why would you talk to Moses and tell him that you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Why wouldn't you tell him Israel? Israel's that utopian. Israel's that perfected state. Because God was trying to tell Moses, I love you with your imperfections. I love you as Jacob on your way to Israel. I love you as Jacob on your way to Israel. dysfunctional part in you. I love the insecure part in you. I love the quirks in you. I love your temperament. Come on. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Get it in your head. He loves you just like you are. He loves you just like he made you. Am I doing alright? Am I okay? And so... I'm just a simple preacher, huh? And so it's, and so Jordan, it's, it's Jacob, Tiffany, it's Jacob and it's Israel, and it's Jacob and it's Israel. Read it. It's Jacob and it's Israel and it's Jacob. Why? Because I have found saved in all three tenses in our Bible. Now, I know how we've been taught, and it's right. A man can't see the kingdom of God unless he's born again of the water and the spirit. Okay? Get that in your head. There's some people who don't believe I believe that. Young people, you leave here, no, I believe that. It's essential. It's the only way to get there. But let's, let's, let's don't get in the technicalities and listen to what I'm saying. I have found tenses where it speaks of having been saved, having already been saved, being saved, in the present sense, present tense, I am saved. I was saved. And then I read tenses where it talks about futuristically being saved. 
Wait a minute. I thought when I got the Holy Ghost and I got Jesus named baptism that I saved. Let me tell you something. Being saved is much more than a day on the calendar. It's a process. And you're not going to reach your perfected state overnight. And so it's, it's Jacob and it's Israel and it's Jacob and it's Israel and it's Jacob and it's Simon and it's Peter and sometimes it's Simon and sometimes it's Peter and sometimes it's Simon and sometimes it's Peter and finally theologians in the end throw their hand up and you know what they call him? Simon Peter. Why? Because, yeah, Peter's who I want you to be. That's the perfected state. But I want to use Simon. I want to use Simon and all of his deficiencies and dysfunctions. I want to use him on his way to becoming Peter. I want to use Jacob in all of his dysfunctions. Me and my kids had this thing going on the other day. And I, I was trying to tell, I was trying to tell them that I was, uh, I think it was 28 or 29. And boy, they're, they're, my kids are honest, thank God. And they're putting my feet in the fire. Daddy, you're not. Daddy, you're not 28 or 30 or whatever I was telling them. And I mean, I drug them on. I, I, I can work them up. I, I think that father provoke your, provoke not your children. I think I can work that around where I can translate that where that means something else. Pray to God. Because that's too much fun messing with my kids. I mean, I was getting them worked up. But I was going somewhere. I was making a point. Finally, I've made my point. I said, yeah, I am 30. Yeah, I, I am 30. I'm 34, technically. But I can't be 34 without being 30. A tree doesn't lose its rings. So God had to use what happened to you. When you were seven. And what you had to go through at ten. And what happened in your church when you were twelve. That you should have never had to go through. And the mistake that you made at thirteen. And the, and the four weeks that you were stupid when you turned 16 and you backslid, you, you, you were still at church because your parents made you go there, but really you backslid in your heart. It takes that ring and it, it's Jacob and it's Israel. It's Simon and it's Peter. Come on. God. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of the person that you are on the way to the person you want to be. Am I helping anybody yet? Give it up for Vondelay. Anybody think Vondelay's done good this week? Give it up for Vondelay. Come here, Vondelay. Where's Jeremy Wilbanks at? Where's that thunderhead at? 
You're going to wreck this sermon, Jeremy Wilbanks. You better get up here right now. Where you at? He counting money. Go get Judas. Hold on. Well, I'll talk to you when he's on the way out here. You're, you're Vondelay Wilbanks. Now, i got to be careful. I'm, I, I just got a feeling your dad's here somewhere, and I'm fixing to get in trouble. I, I feel him over here somewhere. Now, any, anywhere, anywhere from Bertram is an upgrade. Todd, where you at? I see you up there. I, lo- I love you, Todd. I mean, anywhere, anywhere from, anywhere from Bertram's up. Okay. Before you were married. Now watch this. Before you were married. Get him out here. You operated, you operated as Bertram. Right? Come on. Get out here. Get out here, Judas. You operated as Bertram. Right? But we believe, and this is one of the reasons that we fight for the secrecy and the sacredy of the union and the institution of marriage. Because we believe the undefiled secrecy of marriage is a mirror of a greater marriage. We believe, we believe, when, we believe in marriage, according to scripture, that when a man and a woman are married, that they become... Come on now, you guys ought to be helping me right now. I'm talking about getting married. Come on now, I got to have an amen corner now. Come on, where you at? Huh? But before, before you got married, you operated and lived alone in, in, in the name Bertram. But when you got married, you took his name. It might be part your money. You might make your own money and put it in that account. But you'll never cash a check again with Vondelay. Bertram on it. Follow me. Why? Because you are one flesh. And you come under the authority of his name, Wilbanks. Every card you run, it's got Wilbanks on it. Every check you sign, you sign at Wilbanks. Because in marriage, in marriage you no longer operate. Come on, by yourself, individually, you operate in the authority of his name. You're not ready for this. Jedediah... Hand in hand with the Lord. Huh? Beloved, you're not ready for you. You, I'm, 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 we're going to hurt the devil tonight. You hear me? We're fixing to hurt him bad right here. Guess what? Guess what? When you step down into the chilly waters of baptism and that preacher said, come on, after the confession of your sins, I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission. You're no longer operating as an individual. You're operating under the authority of his name. And in his name, devils got to flee. In his name, sicknesses are healed. In his name, every knee shall bow. I'm about to get loosened up. You ready for this? I'm fixing to pull in an Old Testament scripture. Ready? Thou shalt not 
take the name of your Lord in vain. Wait, wait. When you get baptized in Jesus' name and you never swipe the card and you never sign the check and you never pray for anybody that's sick. Well, I can't. I'm slow to speak. I can't. You don't understand my dysfunctions. When you are bound down with your insecurities and you don't speak up to that woman that you're going to see tonight in Walmart. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm prophesying that. I ain't afraid. Somebody's going to encounter a woman tonight in Walmart. Somebody in this conference. There's a woman. You're her miracle. That woman's, there's a woman in Tulsa, Oklahoma tonight. Her miracle's in this house. But you know the difference? The difference whether or not she gets her miracle is whether or not you're going to stand over here and say, well, I, you know, I just don't have the boldness. I, I just don't have the audaciousness. I, I'm insecure. I'm, I'm deficient. I, I've got inferiority complex. Dear God, you got the name of Jesus. Don't take it in vain. Write a check. Write a check. Johnny Carroll, write a check. Swipe the card. We got, we got two, there's too many single mothers. We're passing. That job you've been complaining about, where you at? That job you've been griping about, you got to go to every day. That job you hate. Won't you understand? It's not about the job, it's about a person. Huh? And he's right across the cubicle. You're standing next to him making drinks. He's contemplating suicide. And you've yet to tell him about the Holy Ghost. Because you've taken his name in vain. You're living limited in your insecurities, inferiority complexes. You're forgetting whose hand it is you hold. Come on. Miracles are being aborted. Deliverances are being aborted. Healings are being aborted. Revivals are being aborted. Because we are living in fear. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got the greatest name. We're married to the great. It's a name above every name. No other name given under heaven, given among men, whereby whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it how? What if they're not healed? Huh? If you go to Norsom's Rack tomorrow and you run that card in Will Banks' name and they say, ma'am, there's insufficient funds. If there's insufficient funds, it means that whoever's authority that you're operating under didn't put enough in there to supply the need. That's why the Bible says that we pray according to the will of God. So we swipe the card. If they're healed, there was money in there for the healing. If they're not healed, God didn't put the money in there for them to be healed. But it ain't going to keep me from writing the check. You can laugh. 
I'm not saying this for self-glory. I'm not saying this because I'm arrogant. There's probably not a more insecure person in this entire arena. But you know what I've been doing? Bradley, I had not seen one healed yet. But I've done it about four times the last month. I'm looking at the ones that we don't even look at. We're scared to look at them. The ones that are most deformed. I grabbed a boy yesterday sitting in his chair, twisted up. His head was strapped to the back of his chair. Run, spit running down his mouth. I stopped his mother. I said, I want to pray for him. She said, nobody's ever wanted to pray for him. I said, I'm fixing to pray for him. I'm going to pray for him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to sign that check. I'm going to run that car. And sooner or later, I'm going to do it, Joel Booker. And the money's going to be in the bank. And the money's going to be in the bank. And that. Well, I ain't praying for them. Every time I feel that now, I, the ones that the ones my fat flesh, brother Looper fights me the most. I'm why? Because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and I know whose name I got on me. And in my own self, I feel worthless. I feel dumb. I feel deficient in my own self. I'm so insecure. I shouldn't even be up on this platform. But in Him, in the one in hand, whose hand I hold, I'm the beloved. I am the friend of God. And I'm going to start operating and living in His authority. I got pictures and phone phone numbers to prove it. You can't just tell stuff anymore, brother. You got to get, you better have stuff to back it up. Our faith's so low. I don't know if it's in God or the man, but I, brother, I'm telling you, you get numbers, you get, brother, you got to get, get some credit. I got the pictures and the phone numbers. But just not before long. This preacher right here, God, on a wintry day, on my way to see on my way to Spokane to preach for Rick Mayo. God rerouted me through Seattle. I had to go to Chicago from Tulsa, then to Seattle to go to Spokane. And I wasn't too happy about it. And they upgraded me, Sister Wilson, first class from Chicago to Seattle. And I sat down, there was a seat next to me. And a man rounded the corner. I got the pictures. If you want to see it, I took pictures with him. I'm exchanged, Brother Kenny Goat, I've exchanged, I've exchanged texts with this guy. We formed a friendship. If I named his name, you'd know who he is. He's in the NFL Hall of Fame. He's very renowned on television, constantly. Constantly on television. Anybody knows anything about sports that know this guy? He comes in, our eyes locked. I knew why I'd been rerouted. He sat down next to me, Nathaniel, on that plane. And for four solid hours. And finally, he looked up from his stuff and he looked at me with tears in his eyes, Brother Schweitzer. And this is what he said to me. He said, I'm on this plane today. He just left the NFL combine. He said, I'm on this plane today. And he said, the longer I sit here, the more I'm convinced that I'm on this plane. He said, because you are going to explain to me why my wife has crippling 
MS. And he said, money's not a problem. He said, I signed $15,000 checks to stem cell research like it's candy. And he said, nothing has worked. And he said, I'm more and more convinced that I'm sitting here today. Tony Spell, because you're supposed to tell me what the problem is. I just want to ask you a question. Has anybody ever laid hands on your wife and prayed for her in the name of Jesus Christ? Every young person, everything in my flesh was screaming, not here, not now. My soul. No Right? Well. He put me there. Just like he's put you where he's put you. And he put you on... He puts you there on purpose because there's a person there. It's not about the place. It's about the person. And there's a purpose there. There's a purpose there because there's a person there. And you're, you're frustrated because it's a play. The play. I don't like the play. It's not about the place. He said, I started telling him about miracles. I see Caleb. Caleb's down here somewhere. And, and, and Alexandria. And I started telling them about what happened Brother Booker's revival for their mama in, in that revival last year. And, and some things that doctors told her she had. And then, and then we prayed for her and the doctor said that. No, no, that's, that's gone. That's not malignant. I started telling him about that. I started telling him about some other miracles. He looked at me and he said, I don't want to inconvenience you. He said, but the next time you're in Seattle, he said, would you stay in my house with me? He said, would you? And he don't know how to talk our lingo. He said, because I want your power and presence in my home. He said, would you be willing to lay your hands on my wife and pray for her? He said, would that inconvenience you? We got off the plane in Seattle. I took him by the hands. People falling, filtering out of that plane. And I took him by the hand, standing right there. And I began to pray. Tears rolling down his face. I don't even know if the man believed in God. You say, what What are you saying, preacher? I'm, I'm trying to tell you. In your insufficiencies, in your insecurities. You don't write the check there. You don't swipe the card there. But I hope before you leave here, you know there's no reason to change. I'm trying to tell you, you don't have to smear makeup on and look like the world to find yourself. You don't have to backslide to try to find yourself. You're a friend of God. You're beloved. Come on. Well, I don't believe in that. You don't believe in revival then. Well, I don't believe in that. You ain't apostolic if you don't believe in that. And it's time for us to put up or shut up. Somebody have to do damage control. But I, this next generation, come on, they're not going to live in a church where there's no demonstration. The Bible said these signs shall follow them that believe. It's time. It's time for us to bury our insecurities. Bury our fears. Bury... Well, I'm worried about wildfire. I'm not worried about wildfire. I'm worried about the wind. Blow wind. Blow wind. Blow wind. Blow. I'm finished. If I could find a new Testament character. To line up with the Old Testament character, Moses. I think I would be safe to say that Simon Peter would give Moses a run for his money. 
Do you know, Brother Deeds, that Simon Peter would never... Hear a rooster crow again. Without cold water running through his veins. Never again in the chilly winter time when Nip was in the air or the elder never again would he be able to stand by fire and warm his hands without remembering. Do you know, Brother Deeds, that Simon Peter would never hear a rooster crow again without cold water running through his veins? Never again in the chilly winter time when Nip was in the air or the elder never again would he be able to stand by a fire and warm his hands without remembering. The damsel would never look the same. Never. Damsel would never look the same. Never. Campfires would never be the same. The crow, of the, the crow, of the cock would never be the same. But yet, him and John's on their way to pray. This is, the, this is the spirit I want this group to leave, peak with this year. It's, it's an audaciousness. This guy's sitting there with his little can. Um, he's just trying to get enough to make it through another day. You think Simon Peter had some, had some stuff that he, some loose ends that he had to tie up every day to, to function and operate? You think he had some dysfunctions and some deficiencies and you think he said you think he had some history that wasn't afraid to try to stir up his insecurities man they stumble on this guy and this is the spirit I want to get on our kids this week this guy's dinner um, he didn't leave prayer meeting he was on his way to prayer meeting some of us get close to this after we leave prayer meeting None of us live here on our way to prayer meeting. Because on our way to prayer meeting, we done lost everything we got at the last prayer meeting. You catch us right after prayer meeting, and we might tell you that we'll pray for you the next time we go to prayer meeting. Maybe. But unlike, it's very unlikely you're going to get a miracle when we're on our way to prayer meeting. Because we done lost everything. Oh, you got going to get quiet on me, huh? Yeah. Thousands of people in here get so quiet you hear a rat licking ice. Huh? You know it's the truth. Just go ahead and say, oh me. Huh? Yeah. 
Maybe when we leave prayer meeting, but not on the way to prayer meeting. And that cat looked down at that guy holding that little can. He didn't even wait on John. He said, look on us. Let me just, let me just prep you. Let me just prep you. I'm going to tell you what's fixing to happen. When I hit this last point, the Holy Ghost is going to hit this place. The Lord's already promised me that miracle signs and wonders are going to happen. There'll be doc, I believe there are going to be documented miracles in this house. I believe, I believe there's pastors' wives that are going to be healed. I believe there's young people that came here with, 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 with bad disease in your bodies that the, that the Holy Ghost is going to touch you. How, do you believe that God can touch sugar diabetes in a meeting like this? Boom! Anybody believe that God could curse a cancer on Thursday night at Pete? Oh, that's just for Ethiopia. That's just for Kenya. That's just for them people. No, I believe right here in North America that God wants to do visible miracles. Visible. Tonight. Deliverances tonight. Deliverances from suicide. Deliverances from cutting on yourself. Deliverances... Deliverances from addictions. Deliverances from pornography. Deliverances. Tonight. 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 See, we, we, we're not yet walking in that place where we say, we, we don't want people looking at us. Don't look at us. Huh? Afraid they're looking at us because our hair do's. I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm talking about knowing whose hand that we hold. I'm talking about knowing who loves us. I'm talking about knowing whose kids we are. I'm talking about knowing who we're married to. When you walk into Chick-fil-A tonight, when you walk into Burger King tonight, when you walk into Steak and Shake tonight, you walk in there like you own the place. I said you walk in there like you own the place. I don't want anybody looking at me. My, my hairdo, my dress, my stuff. No. He said, look on us. Look on us. The guy said, he, the Bible says he got looked on them, expecting to receive something. Ooh, imagine that. Now watch. And I'm closing. I'm done. Simon says, silver and gold. Have I none? Look what we're dealing with figuratively here. In the flesh. See? Oh, you got to have that. Let me tell you something. That's like a Holy Ghost right there when you come to peak. You ain't getting in here if you ain't got that. Buddy, they done trained them maybe center worker. You ain't getting up in here if you ain't got a card. Huh? Better have your card. He said, look here. Silver and gold have I none. Right there, he's talking about the guy that cursed. Cut an ear off. Silver and gold. I'm broke when it comes to something I can do in my own flesh. I told the damsel I didn't know him. 
silver and gold have I none. But please don't stop there. Too many of us live there. Silver and gold have I none. And that's where the story ends. And the man never gets up. And the cripple never walks. And the lady never gets the Holy Ghost. And we never fill the church up. And we... Silver and gold have I none. Some of you in organizations you've been a part of, we, we used to laugh and, and we had acronyms. Don't get nervous. We had little acronyms. I'm still trying to think of one for WPF. But let's don't live there. Silver and gold have I none. Broke, underprivileged. Uh, silver and gold have I none. Penny Coastal. Brother Tiller, am I doing all right? I'm broke. We ain't got much. We're just at church. God only gave you the best piece of property in your little town. He only gave it to you for the fourth of the price that they're trying to get from everybody else. And you're still standing down there on your prime piece of property going, I can't heal you. I can't fix you. I can't put you... Don't stop there. But he reaches in. Whew, I'm glad I got this tonight. Glory. Got my car. <laughs> he reaches in there. And he says, such as I have. Oh boy, am I glad Brother Therese ain't here. Because I ain't a Greek scholar. I just said ain't. But I can read Thayer's. And I'll tell you what Thayer says. That word have there is also a word that's used three times for possessed. Which possession is when, when you are being controlled by some, some other spirit, some other source. But that word have there is also a Greek word that's interchangeable. And the Greek minds understood, the Eastern minds understood this. is also interchangeable for a word. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce the word. That spoke of the privileges that one had from being married. Such as I have. Simon, I'm broke. But in an upper room, I got the Holy Ghost. And they baptized me in Jesus' name. Huh? Such as I have. I'm in a spiritual marriage. I can't heal you by myself, but I'm not by myself anymore. I got some, I got some privileges. I got some power. I'm going to operate in the jurisdiction of my spiritual marriage. I'm going to operate in the beat of my authority. Be healed. I can't do anything for you as Simon, but Simon Peter Jesus will pick you up. Simon Peter Jesus will ask. Don't take his name in vain. Exercise the privileges and the authority that you have. And they shall lay their hands upon the sick. And they shall. Hey, 
it was needed and I'm thankful and I'm glad they did it and I'm glad there's some young guys come on that are bold enough to re-clarify lines come on but we got that out of the way thank God it happened we needed it we know where we're at now I'm asking you starting tonight and the next two services can we launch out with our inheritance knowing what we believe knowing Get a hold of that inheritance, Brother Looper. Hang on to it with all of your might. But with that other hand, I want you to reach for souls. Reach for miracles. Reach for revival. Reach such as I have. Such as I have. Finish. My soul. Knoweth. Key word. Right. Well, and the things that you've convinced yourself of about yourself, and the things the enemy's convinced yourself of about yourself aren't right things. The ends of the world rest on the shoulders this generation if it gets done there's one more revival coming to the North American church and if it gets done it's going to get on the it's going to get done on the shoulders and with the energy of this generation I'm sick of flopping Benjamin Drew Clark I'm sick of spending all of my time trying to prop you guys up let's do this I'm not perfect. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not perfect. You're never going to be perfect. We're in pursuit of being perfect. But along the way, we're going to pick up the cripple and heal the sick. Well, you're, you're promoting a bunch. You're promoting hypocrisy. I know, I feel somebody's spirit. You promote a bunch of hypocrisy. Bunch of hypocrites. You're going to have a church full of bunch of hypocrites. That's about like saying I ain't going to the gym because there's a bunch of fat, out of shape people down there. Well, I ain't going to that church because you're promoting hypocrisy. hypocrisy. That's like saying I ain't going to the gym because there's people there that's out of shape and there's people there that's fat. What do you think church is? You don't wait till you get it all together to do something for God. You do something for God as you're getting it all together. That ain't about right. That is right. I'm, 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 I'm standing, I feel like tonight, in seven lanes of traffic, trying to head some of you off. Don't sell yourself out to somebody's business idea. Don't sell yourself out to, say, Brother Mark, you're, you're crazy saying this. No, I can stand here and I won't. 
to save shame because some of their parents are here. But I could name names of parents that have grieved in this meeting because kids left in pursuit of music careers. Well, there. You know where they're at? I'll tell you where they're at. They don't want you knowing this, but I'll tell you where they're at. Some of them sitting in dark living rooms this week. And they got a phone pulled up to their ear and they're listening to this meeting. I'll tell you where they're at. But they're in a lot worse shape than you are tonight. Don't go. You're not going to find yourself there. Huh? You're not going to find yourself there. I don't care if they're promising you the world. You're not going to find yourself there. You're sure not going to find yourself on the other end of the, the muzzle of a 357. No, my young people ain't sleeping, sleeping around and drinking around. You're not going to find yourself on the other end of a bottle. You're not going to find yourself in the back seat of a car. You're not going to find yourself in a movie theater. You're not going to find yourself in Hollywood. You're not going to find yourself in an acting career. You're not. One songwriter said it like this for us. I searched the world over. But I have found there is none like you. You're peculiar. The Holy Ghost said for me to tell you to embrace your peculiarity. Embrace your differences. Embrace your separation. to have another peak where we spend the whole time propping you up I don't think Urshan's got a would you have a problem to look around tomorrow night and there would be a hundred people that these kids have drunk in here off the streets would you have any problem preaching to sinners tomorrow night would that bother you any I didn't think so what would it be like to have a Friday night of peak where we have 50 100 people get the Holy Ghost right well I'm fearfully and wonderfully made he loves me brother Marks I'm just first generation he loves you brother Marks none of my family lives for God he loves you Marks, my family all went charismatic. He still loves you. My mama fell. He loves you. My daddy fell. He loves you.
Solomon, you don't have to go through all those wives. You don't have to go through all those concubines. Solomon, you don't have to go through all those chariots and horses. Solomon, you don't have to go through all those women. Just embrace the fact of whose hand you're holding. And the Lord and I, the Lord and I, with with man, it's impossible. Brother Barn, Brother Jones, don't miss, don't dismiss this because of its simplicity. But look at this. I just seen this the last couple of weeks. With man, it's impossible. But I've always looked at it like this, Urshan, but come here. With man, it's impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Now, wait a minute. That's the way I've always looked at that. With man, we, with man, it's impossible. But with God, nothing's impossible. That's not the way it works. With man, it's impossible. But with God, With God. With God. God's got to have a vessel. God's got to have a conduit. God's got to have a young person. God's got to have a church. God. With God. God can't do it by himself. He's always used a man. going to bust right down here in the middle and when it busts it's going to go right, wait a minute here we've done this before I ain't worried about the critics tonight when you cry out there's too many verses Jericho walls still fall prison prison sails still shake chains still come off the psalmist said when this poor man cried the Lord heard him delivered him out of all of his troubles delivered him out of all of his fears Okay. Am I looking? Am I? Am I? Or am I not looking at a generation that more than anything in the world you want to make a difference in your world? Just show me your hands. More than anything else, I don't want to just exist. I can't just exist. Is that you? I cannot just go through the motions. I cannot just exist. Okay, now look at here. Now you're going to cry for yourself, but you're going to cry with the knowledge of knowing that something's going to break. There's needs all over this house. If you've got a need and you're still in the risers, I want you to get in a place in a position where you can receive. Get to your feet right now. All over this house. Jump to your feet. We're done. Now. It's all according to how much you want to be used to God. You want it just a little bit, you cry just a little bit. However much you want it, you let that, you let that be known by the desperation in which you cry out. Don't expect the person behind you to do it for you. Wait, wait. 
I want you to know there's miracles. There's miracles in the shadows. They're waiting for you to open the door right now. When I set this microphone down on this pulpit, you identify to God, you identify to yourself, and you let hell know by the volume of your voice. We're not just screaming. We're crying out to our maker. We're crying. You identify how bad you want it by the desperation of your cry. Come on, from the front, all the way to the back of this arena, all the way around, we're fixing to lift the roof. Are you ready? Go.